Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Alright, if you could all find your place in the Gospel of Matthew, still in chapter 6 today. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 18, and I'd like to ask you a question as you're finding your spot there. By show of hands, how many of you typically eat breakfast? Okay, now, how many of you ate breakfast this morning? Okay, do you know why we call the first meal of the day breakfast? You are literally breaking your fast. Break fast. Um, Hopefully, you don't sleepwalk and you didn't wander into the kitchen unknown to yourself and just start, you know, finding things to eat during the night. But typically, you eat dinner in the evening and then uh, when you go to sleep, you don't eat again until the next morning. So even the term breakfast acknowledges this idea of fasting. And I know today, this may be, if you looked ahead and you saw what we were going to be talking about today, you might have been a little bit, I don't know, maybe um, not confused, but maybe just not excited. But uh, even yesterday, uh, uh, Darlene, I went to a birthday party yesterday afternoon for a a long-time friend, and... uh, we were talking about, before we left, uh, her brother and sister-in-law, and this was their house where they hosted the party, and uh, he, was, he found out I was a pastor, and he said, so what are you preaching on tomorrow? Now, mind you, this was two hours, after the, you know, two hours into the party, all kind of food, all kind of food. It was, it was wonderful. It was real creative. I mean, it was, uh, it was it's too much to describe. They had barbecue, so that... that you know, let, let, that gives you a good foundation uh, for what was there. They had, you know, meatballs and barbecue and uh, fruit and vegetables. Of course, I mean, we're not worried about the fruit and vegetables. We just had a big pot of barbecue and uh, cupcakes, you know, all kind of stuff like that. And I said, well, it's ironic that you asked me what I'm preaching on tomorrow. Uh, after all this food is laid out here, we're talking about fasting. Isn't that ironic that I, that would happen on the day before we're in this passage? So here's the thing. I want to just read. A, I have a lot, all kinds of different uh, sources of information from various people, and I'll try not to bore you with a lot of quotes today. But I do want to start off with a couple. Uh, John Stott, who's gone on to be with the Lord, but is a he was just a un, an unbelievable theologian, really smart guy. He said, "Here's a passage of scripture which is commonly ignored." I suspect that some of us live our Christian lives as if these verses had been torn out of our Bibles. Many Christians put stress on daily prayer or sacrificial giving, but few put any stress on fasting, especially not for a biblical purpose. Now, I'll mention another name to you, Donald Whitney. Don Whitney wrote a book years ago called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And if you're into reading, 
this would be one of the most instructive, helpful books you might ever read, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. It's got an updated version, a revised version that's out now. But it's such a wonderful book about how to live the Christian life, different disciplines you can adopt and practice. And in his chapter about fasting, he said this, Christians living in a gluttonous, denial-less, self-indulgent society may struggle to accept and begin the practice of fasting. Few disciplines go so radically against the flesh and the mainstream of culture as this one. Nevertheless, we dare not overlook its biblical significance. No Christian should ignore fasting's benefits in the disciplined pursuit of a Christ-like life. Now, I know that sounds all, you know, all important and serious. We're talking about a, a discipline in the Christian's life that that many probably are either unaware of or don't practice, at least not often. So you might ask this question, why? Why is this even important? Why is it in the Bible? Because clearly, my first answer would have to be this, why is it important? Jesus said it. It's in the Bible. Therefore, it's automatically important. But you need more than that, right? You need some practical information. You can't just say, well, it's in the Bible, it's important. Well, yeah, you know that, but you need more. So why would you fast? Don Whitney continues and says, without a purpose, get that, get that, that, that word, without a purpose, fasting can be a miserable, self-centered experience all about willpower and endurance. Having a biblical purpose for your fast may be the single most important concept to take from this chapter, his chapter in that book on fasting. Here's some potential purposes. If you're wondering, if you like to know information like this, let me just throw out a few biblical purposes why you might fast. To strengthen your prayer life. To seek God's guidance. To express grief. You know that in Scripture. Weeping, fasting, mourning. That was in the Scripture a lot in the Old Testament. Maybe to seek deliverance or protection. Or to express repentance and returning to God. To humble yourself before God. To express concern for the work of God in the world. Perhaps to minister to the needs of others. Or maybe to overcome temptation and dedicate yourself to God. These are many different biblical purposes for fasting, all of which find their expression in Scripture, and so we can see uh, how those things work together. But let me read these three verses for us, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18. I pray that as we read these and, and study just a few things through the text, I pray that we'll maybe have a new understanding. That's probably the, the biggest uh, goal for today is that we would like to have a better understanding of why this is even in the Bible and what it means to us and how we're supposed to go about this. How do we know what to do, how to do it, when to do it? Here's what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. 
Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Lord, I pray today, first of all, that Jesus will be glorified through our study of of His Word. I pray, Lord, that You will open up our minds and our hearts, help us understand this Word. It may be foreign to many of us, maybe to all of us. So, Lord, help us understand and then help us be obedient to whatever it is You tell us to do, whatever You show us in this Scripture. Help us to follow You in faith that you know what's best for us. And so I pray you be glorified in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Fasting. This is not an accident. It was, it's not uh, in here by mistake. But it's the third piece of a puzzle. Because if you remember, when we started chapter 6, you know that the very first verse was like the guideline, right? Be, be careful, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be seen by them because then you have no reward in heaven, right? So that's the overarching theme. When you do things that are good, when you do things that are right, basically when you do what God tells you to do, you're not looking for an audience, you're not looking for pats on the back, you're not looking for accolades from men, you're just doing the things you're doing because one, God said so, and two, your goal is to glorify Him. You want, you want Jesus to be pleased, right? That, that's the bottom line. You're not looking for compliments or any kind of recognition. You're just looking for Jesus to be pleased with your life. Does that, does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? There, there's no pretense attached to this. So here's three things that I found in these verses, these, these short verses here, that I believe will help us in our understanding. Number one, Jesus expects us to fast periodically. Jesus expects us to fast periodically. The very first half of the first verse, the first word even. What's the first word? When. Whenever. It's not if. It's not uh, should you decide to do this. Here's some guidelines. It's when. And when you see that word, whenever, that presumes we will be fasting from time to time. It's a common practice. It's not meant to be foreign. It's meant to be a common part of the Christian life. As common, I would argue, from this text, as common as giving or praying. So think about that a little bit and let that sink in. Jesus includes this practice in the same categories as praying and giving. So we, just re- we receive an offering every single week. We pray in here, corporately, every single week. And I, I hope that we pray individually throughout the week. Right? And so if Jesus puts this practice in the same category as those two things, that ought to give us a little bit of reference point for, okay, this shouldn't be as foreign as maybe we think it is. So why do we not practice it very much? Why do we 
come to this subject and it seems to be, you know, this is not the, this is not the sermon where I'm expecting a lot of people to say amen. You know, I'm not expecting that at all. I'm expecting pretty much exactly what I'm seeing. It's like, oh no. You know, this terrible, fearful look. But that's what Jesus says. It's when, not if. When, not if. There's not a scenario where Christians never fast. And so we have to look to Scripture and say, okay, well why did the other Christians fast? Why did people in the Old Testament, or maybe early Christians in the New Testament, why did they do this? If it's normal, if it's so normal, why did they do it? James Boyce writes this, The reason they fasted was their desire to set aside the normal distractions of this life in order to seek God's clear direction for their lives. It was a discipline by which they waited upon God while asking Him to reveal His will to them. Have you ever really, really needed direction, guidance, discernment, wisdom, clarity? Maybe you have a decision to make and you don't know what to do, but you want to seek God, you want to do what He wants you to do, right? Well, how do you figure that out? Prayer and fasting. I I submit that if we were to put this into practice maybe more often, we, we most likely would not find ourselves as confused about God's direction. That, that's, my, that's my guess. Jesus said the time would come when His disciples would fast. In Matthew 9, we'll, we'll get there in a while. Matthew 9, the Pharisees asked, hey, how, we fast, why, why don't your disciples fast? Do you remember what Jesus told them? Why do they need to fast when the bridegroom is with them? But there's coming a time when he won't be here. Then they'll fast. So if that's the case, guess what? Jesus is not physically here. Physically here. He's away. He's in glory. He's at the right hand of the Father. So what does that mean for us? Perhaps we should be fasting. That time is now. Jesus expects us to fast periodically. Number two, and really this is the bulk of our passage, Jesus commands us to live differently. Jesus commands us to live differently. This is the constant theme going all the way through the Bible. Jesus' followers do not live like the rest of the world. And and, and let me just give you a footnote right here, a very vital footnote. We want to be effective, maybe even influential in the world, right? For the, for the sake of the gospel, for the, the glory of God's kingdom, we want to have an influence in the culture. In that, is that fair to say? So to some degree, we have to be, um, I hate to use this word, accepted in the culture, to some degree. But here, there's a fine line between being accepted as in not being completely outcast. There's a fine line between that and just being you know, embraced by the culture. And, and let me just say something about that. If we call ourselves 
devoted Christians. Like, I'm following Jesus. That is the goal of my life. If that's what we're saying, and we are 100% comfortable in this world, then that's a big problem. Because we are called to a different life. We're called to a different direction for a different purpose. And so if we're at home in the world, that is a tremendous problem for following Jesus. Look how Jesus was treated. He was not embraced by the culture because he was countercultural. He was against the ways of the world. He was establishing a new kingdom. And so if we're going to follow him and yet we expect to just be accepted and embraced and fit right in with the world, that's a problem. This is not our home. And we really need to remember that. We, are, we should not be at home in the world because we have a home that is waiting for us. And it's not here. We can't feel at home. He commands us to live differently. Look at the text in the second part of verse 16. He says, don't do these things as the hypocrites. He makes that comparison. As the hypocrites, here's what they do. And this is a little bit more um, pointed in the, the Greek New Testament. It, we lose a lot of the power of this text in the English language because here's what it says literally from the Greek. Whenever you fast, do not become sad or sullen or gloomy like the hypocrites. Listen to this next phrase uh, and, and just see the, the difference. For they destroy their faces. My Bible says they neglect their appearance. They destroy their faces. That's a t that sounds terrible, right? But there's a purpose. There's a hidden purpose in what they're doing. And remember, this is the hypocrite way. This is the hypocrite way. They become sad or sullen or gloomy. They destroy their faces. But look at their purpose. Their purpose is to be seen or noticed by men. And a little side note here. The Greek word that, that uh, Jesus uses here, it means to shine, to, like, to stand out. It's the same word the Apostle Paul uses in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12 following when he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you, you shine like lights in the world in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's the same word. And so that's what these hypocrites are doing. They're trying to shine. It's like they're trying to have the spotlight on them. Hey, look at me. I'm righteous. I'm holy. You're not. I'm better than you. That's the hypocritical way. And that's what they're doing. So Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. He commands us to live differently. D.A. Carson wrote that what was once a sign of humiliation became a sign of self-righteous self-display. Almost anything that's supposed to serve as an outward sign of an inward attitude can be cheapened by this hypocritical piety. It's not an occasion to promote ourselves. Okay, That's not what God is after. That's not the purpose of fasting. And so what is the, the result here? The Hebrew word for fasting actually suggests a humility, like a, a repentant humbling of our souls before God. 
So really, the only fasting that makes any difference in God's eyes is the kind that finds us being humble and taking the attention off of ourselves and trying to draw close to Jesus. That's the whole purpose. And so Jesus says here, in verse 16 at the end, the hypocrites do things this way for this purpose. And then look at the last sentence in verse 16. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. This is the, the same refrain in the last two weeks. What does that mean? Whatever compliments they receive, whatever pats on the back, whatever attitudes of, wow, you are so holy and righteous, you're super Christian, uh, whatever, whatever they get, that's all they're going to get because they have no reward in heaven. And just in case you're keeping score at home, that's not what we want. That's not what we're after. It Listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we live our whole lives serving in complete obscurity Nobody ever writes an article about us in the newspaper. We're never on television. Nobody ever puts anything on the internet singing our praises. That doesn't matter one single bit. Because all we're looking for is for Jesus Christ to say, Well done. That is it. Anything we get on this earth tarnishes that reward. And if people, if people choose to do that, great. That's, that's an extra. But that's not what we're after. That's not our motivation. And so when Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites, they have an earthly reward, it's temporary, and it's inferior to what I have in store for you. That's what Jesus says. He says, look, look at this, I love verse 17. But you, see the contrast? This is how they live, and this is what they're doing, and this is why they're doing it, and this is all they're going to get. But you, different contrast, you, when you're fasting, what do you do? Anoint your head. Wash your face. Make it appear like there's nothing different going on. Now, inside, you might be feeling pain. You might The hunger might just be... Just really getting to you. But by the way, I, I discovered this later than I should have. You know what the the purpose of the hunger pangs? You know what that's for? I, I'm totally missed it. The first couple times I tried biblical fasting, I just I didn't understand well enough. I don't want anybody else to make that mistake. The whole point when you deny yourself something that your body needs, the whole point of that is every single time you feel that hunger every time like you're, maybe your stomach growls or something like that you know every single time that is a it's like an alarm going off hey pray seek the face of god that that's what that's for so so as you're hungering as your body is telling you i need something guess what we need we just need more of jesus that that's the whole point and that's the power of fasting. When you do that and you deny your body those things, then every time your body sends that alarm off, it's a clue. Go pray. Get on your face. Seek the Lord. Listen to Him. He's, he's trying to tell you something. 
And so we're supposed to not let it be seen. Like the, the hypocrites, they put the sad... You know, it's like this. It's like, let's say you're fasting, you go to work, right? Here's, here's what the hypocrites do. They look all sad. You know, there's, maybe they've got a little tear, you know, because they missed their steak biscuit that morning. And uh, all day long, they're sitting there working, and they're like, oh, it hurts so bad. I'm so hungry. I'm not going to make it. Like extra loud, conspicuous. So like somebody look at me. Can't you see what I'm doing? I'm so holy. But it's, it's all for attention. It's all for attention. We're just the opposite. Wash your face. Know your head. Don't let anybody see anything different about you because you're not doing it for them. That's the whole point. You're not doing it for men's applause. You're not doing it for any compliments. You're doing this strictly for God. Obedience to God. The problem is not whether another person knows or asks about your fast, but whether or not you want them to know or ask about your fast. You see how subtle that is? They might figure it out. They might know. They might even ask you about it. That's not the issue. The issue is your, is your heart. Do I really want them to know? Do I want them to ask? Do I want the attention? That's what's going It's all about our hearts. This matter is between you and the Lord, as the text clearly shows us. It's just between us. That's why our purpose, see the first part of verse 18? Our purpose is just the opposite of the hypocrites. It's so that, in order that, your fasting will not be noticed. That's our whole purpose. We don't want anybody to notice. Where you go back to the text in verse 16, it's so that, or in order that, they will be noticed by men. And ours, in verse 18, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men. It's two ends of a spectrum. And by the way, here's an interesting little side note. You know, I told you the Greek word uh, that's used there is what the hypocrites are doing to shine so that it shines on them. You know what the word is in, in Matthew 6, 1 that governs all this? Like if you go back to verse 1 and it says, Beware practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. You know, it's a different word. It's a Greek word that means theater. You know what that means? It's just a show. You just go into like you're going to see a play. You're going to see an actor that's putting on and wants the spotlight right on them center stage. That's what Jesus is warning us about. In all these instances, in giving, in praying, in fasting, the spotlight is not on us, it's on Jesus. It's always on Jesus. It's never about us. So Jesus expects us to fast periodically. He commands us to live differently. Finally, number three, Jesus promises to reward us uniquely. 
He promises to reward us uniquely. The last part of verse 18. Your Father who sees in secret. And see, there's only one person that can do that. See, when we don't, when we don't live for, for people's compliments, but we're living for Jesus, Jesus is the only one who can see our hearts. He's the only one that can see our motivations. He's the only one that knows what's really going on. Right? I can fool you, you can fool me. We fool each other all the time, every Sunday. How you doing? I'm good, I'm fine. How are you? Fine. We're all just, just it's like we're accustomed to telling these little lies. We're not fine. We just don't have time to talk about it. Right? So maybe a more honest answer. How you doing? Well, how long you got? Got some stuff going on. How much do you really want to know? But the reward Jesus promises, because He sees and knows everything, He will reward what we do when we do what we do with pure motives. When our motivations are pure before Him, this is... Don Whitney, who wrote that beautiful book, Spiritual Disciplines, he says, as certain as any promise in the Bible is the promise that God will bless you and reward you when you fast according to His Word. You, you believe John 3.16? We'll believe Matthew 6.18. It's as sure as any promise. In fact, it was spoken by the same God. He will reward you. Uniquely, you will be rewarded. So, so what does all this mean to us? You see the three principles in this passage. We're expected to fast from time to time. We're commanded to live a different kind of life. But we're promised a reward by our Savior. An eternal reward. So let me just close with a couple of quotations. There's only one I'll get to in just a minute. There's only one that I've got on the screen, but I'm going to read a couple more first. John Stott said, So whether for penitence or for prayer, whether for self-discipline or for love, there are good biblical reasons for fasting. Whatever our reasons, Jesus took it for granted that fasting would have a place in our Christian life. It is useless, Don Whitney says, it is useless to fast as a way to impress God or earn His acceptance. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ is what makes us acceptable to God. It's not our efforts, regardless of their intensity or sincerity. And there's one quote by a preacher that I want to leave you with. And this is the one I put on the screen. This is the essence of Christian fasting. We ache and yearn and fast to know more and more of all that God is for us in Jesus. But only because He has already laid hold of us and is drawing us ever forward and upward into all the fullness of God.
So let me just ask this question based on that. If that's the essence of this principle of fasting, it's we're, we're aching, we're yearning to know more and more of God through Christ. He's drawing us into all the fullness of Himself. So here's the question for us. This is our application right here. Do we really want more of Jesus? And here's why that's such an important question. It's easy to say right initially, of course. Of course I want more of Jesus, right? Don't We would all say that, I hope. We would all say, I want more of Jesus. But here's the, here's the sticky part. We've been given the means through which we can get more of Jesus. So, if we really want more of Jesus, why aren't we taking advantage of the means we've been given by Jesus Himself to get more of Him? And that's an, that's an inconvenient question. Because then we have to say to ourselves, okay... Yeah, I say I really want more of Jesus. Do I really want more of Jesus? Because if I do, wouldn't I be doing some things? I've got, I've got a whole Bible here, guaranteed, Word of God. So, so God is speaking to me. Got it right here. We we all have it. And if for some reason that was gone away, then got it right here. goes with me everywhere I go. Do we really belong to Jesus? And so do we really want more of Him? Because the, the real question is, do we really belong to Him? Because, you know, you can't have more of Jesus if you don't have Jesus. You've got to belong to Him first. And then, do you want more? Do you want a closer relationship? So, once that first part is secure, and we're certain that we have a relationship with the Lord through Jesus Christ, by faith in Him and what He's done for us on the cross, then there really is no more crucial item on our agenda than pressing forward, straining forward, closer and closer to Jesus, into all the fullness of God. I want to know Him. I want to see His face. I want to know Him more and more. It's, it's right there. So he, he tells us how we can get there. So my prayer is, for all of us that maybe we just need to ask ourselves some tough questions and maybe we need to, to really consider, okay, do I know Jesus, but how well? And do I want to know Him more? Do I want more of Jesus, really? Because if you do, we, we don't really have any excuse, is what I'm saying. 
we have no excuse for not knowing more of Christ. He's given us everything we need. We should use it. We should be obedient. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.